The Daikin Comfort Pros at Legacy Heating and Air are saving you thousands on select Daikin heating systems. Upgrade to a Daikin high-efficiency heating system from Legacy today and spend the season warm and worry-free. Get thousands in rebates and federal tax incentives and enjoy flexible financing to suit your budget. Daikin systems deliver unbeatable comfort, cleaner, safer indoor air, and energy savings. Visit LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com to view exclusive offers and get qualified now. A Cook Family Business. Welcome to Football Never Sleeps, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. I'm Eric Hansen. The guy in the square next to me is Tyler James. There's actually a third of us, and that is Charleston Bowles, the most photogenic of us who actually isn't on the show for some reason. We have to figure that out. Anyways, Football Never Sleeps is the aspiring-to-be-viral weekly Notre Dame football show that has continued into bowl prep season, and we've got lots of headlines to talk about tonight. The one thing that make us a little bit different is that we answer your questions live. We work them into our conversations as we're going along. Uh, Marcus Freeman had a Notre Dame head coach, Marcus Freeman, had a Zoom call with the media today in regards to the Sun Bowl, but we were able to get him on a couple other tangents. And we'll talk about all that and more. But first, Tyler James will take us home with all the things you need to know before we get started. Yeah, first, like Eric mentioned, we will take questions during the show, so make sure you submit those. If you're new to the YouTube live process, make sure you've clicked through to the YouTube site or YouTube app to be able to access the comment section. Um, there should be a chat box to the right-hand side if you're on a desktop version of some sort, and there should be a chat box below our talking heads if you're on a mobile device. Um, we also have a... 30-day free trial available for InsideIndieSports.com. We hope you take advantage of that. If you're not already a subscriber to the site, you can use promo code NDYT, which is exclusive to our YouTube audience. Um, and if you use that when you sign up, you get free access to our premium analysis and recruiting coverage and special access to us on the Insider Lounge. That's the place where we have plenty of transfer portal talk right now. We put Mike Brown's name on the radar as Notre Dame's next potential wide receivers coach at some point last week, pretty soon after Chancey Stuckey was fired. So um, we hope you consider joining us joining us over on the Insider Lounge with a subscription to Inside ND Sports. Um, and there is also a link um, to sign up in the video description if you want to take uh, advantage of that deal. All right, Eric, that's all for me. Back to you. Okay. Before I launch into our agenda, I do want to mention if you're – stuck in ideas for Christmas gifts. You can get gift certificates to our site and it doesn't have to be for a whole year. You can get six months, three months, one month. We'll work with you. Okay. Now we're going to launch into Notre Dame. So let's take a look at Notre Dame, taking them stock, taking stock of Notre Dame after a whirlwind week. And boy, was it. So the Irish are nine and three ranked 16th in the final college football playoff top 25. They're headed to El Paso, Texas for December 29th, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl matchup with number 19 Oregon State, who's eight and four. Um, and with a change at wide receiver coach with four wide receivers and seven other players already in the transfer portal on the day it opened for underclassmen and facing a third string quarterback for Oregon State, who was the Las Vegas Bowl MVP and 7-1 and one as an emergency starter last season. So we're going to start out with the news from the press conference today. It was only 15 minutes, and some of it was kind of non-news. Um, and, and so I guess kind of start there because Marcus Freeman was asked, out, asked about opt-outs, um, and he said that he would like those players to have a chance to kind of do their individual announcements over the next week. So look for those announcements to come out. He said that he feels like he knows who's opting out and who's opting in. I asked him specifically about uh, Sam Hartman and I didn't get anywhere with that. So um, that was the biggest non-news of the day. The biggest news of the day really was him touching a little bit on wide receiver of Palooza. And that, what I mean by that is the four wide receivers who hit the transfer portal uh, today um, 
And then also the firing of Chancey Stuckey last week, the apparent lining up of a successor and Mike Brown from Wisconsin. The three recruits in the 2024 class all steadfastly sticking with their commitments. And then the the news today that K.K. Smith and Deion Colsey will be available for the bowl game. They are practicing. K.K. Smith is a freshman who came in in June, had offseason shoulder surgery, missed the entire regular season. He's had his first couple of practices. And Deion Colsey's a pretty good junior receiver, played in September after the fourth game, decided to undergo arthroscopic surgery instead of slogging through the season with a bad knee. He did not play the rest of the regular season, but he can play in the bowl and still redshirt this year. And I think I've caught us up with that part of it. So, Tyler, why don't you, uh, since I believe you asked the question, why don't you catch us up on what Marcus Freeman had to say about that whole ball of wide receiver stuff I just threw at you? Uh, yeah, I don't even know where to start there. I guess I would start with not calling it a Palooza. A Palooza is a party, and I would say this is far okay. from a party from Notre Dame's point yeah. of view, at least uh, That's from, where, from where I'm sitting. Notre Dame is losing guys um, and was losing guys at a rapid rate in the past week. So it's an anti-Palooza. <laughs> um, maybe they're hoping they will have a Palooza in the Sun Bowl to ease everyone's concerns uh, with the guys who are still here, but uh, certainly a surprising move for Chancey Stuckey to be p- fired uh, shortly, especially given the context of Marcus Freeman the day before saying that he wanted everyone back. Um, and he, he seems to be um, focused on the development um, of Notre Dame's wide receivers and maybe not being on the same page there with what chance, what, what Chancey Stuckey has done and what Notre Dame would like to do. Um, I don't know. I mean, certainly the production of the wide receivers as a whole makes, I think it allows you to have a fair criticism of Chancey Stuckey there. Um, But I think if you wanted to say, well, wait a minute, Chancey Stuckey, who who are his best receivers this season? Uh, Chris Tyree, who played one season at receiver under Chancey Stuckey. Rico Flores Jr., who played one season as as a receiver um, as a freshman, under Chancey Stuckey, Jaden Greathouse, Jordan Faison, a freshman. Um, so guys that had only played receiver for Chancey Stuckey were producing in Notre Dame's offense. Now, obviously, the problem was there were other guys in that group that weren't producing, and maybe there was a, a lack of development there, there was a lack of communication there um, that was not allowing all those guys to develop, and, and Marcus Freeman has made this decision to, to look – Elsewhere and and elsewhere, we believe is Mike Brown, um, the Wisconsin wide receivers coach, um, who we reported yesterday is expected to, to replace Chancey Stuckey with a timeline to be determined. I'm not exactly sure when he would uh, exactly be hired or necessarily uh, announced as well. Yeah, the announcement is always way after the hiring because of the extensive vetting process Notre Dame has had in place ever since the George O'Leary debacle uh, when he had fudged his resume and then was fired basically four days after he was hired and announced and introduced to the fans. And they had t-shirts made up that said, by George, it's O'Leary. So it really went the opposite direction. They've, they've gone to the other extreme. So a couple things, Tyler. First of all, from what you can tell, and maybe you can't, was this the right move to move on from Chancey Stuckey? Um, I, I, I guess I, I don't. I mean, I don't have that big of an issue with it. The, I guess my biggest problem is it's not just Ch- Chancey Stuckey related. It's like, okay, is Chancey Stuckey really the reason that the offense didn't meet its expectations? I, I, I don't think you can separate this discussion of Chancey Stuckey and the wide receivers from the entirety of the offense. I think most of us would agree that the wide receivers were the weakness of the offense. Um, how much of that do, was that due to Chancey Stuckey's coaching? I don't know that we would all necessarily agree on that answer. Um, so I, I don't have a huge issue with it, um, but that's all about what, what comes in to replace it and how well the next person does. Like if the next guy 
doesn't recruit at a high level and doesn't get those guys to continue to develop, then you, I, I don't. What, what sort of improvement have you made there? Have you put all your eggs in the in the Jared Parker basket, uh, so to speak, um, rather than finding out what else was wrong with the offense beyond just Police the wide call it Jared Parker Palooza. What, what do you What do you think, Eric? My thought is that Chancey Stuckey's recruiting was part of the solution. So to me, the lack of communication or whatever the issue was that caused, and not, not all those wide receivers going to the portal were because they were not getting along with Chancey Stuckey. I really think there's three different reasons. And one of them is Rico Flores going in because he was a big fan of Chancey Stuckey, but, but I, I, you know, what rose to the level of that, that, that made it go beyond recruiting. And, and I do believe player development has to go hand in hand, but I also think that Marcus Freeman hired Chancey knowing that he had only been a full-time wide receivers coach for one year Mm. and that, there would be some on-the-job training with that. And then that kind of leads me to believe, was that Jared Parker's fault for not bringing Chansey along, or did he not listen to to Jared Parker, or did he not Mm -hmm. listen to Marcus Freeman? So that's maybe what we haven't gotten to the bottom of at this point. Uh, But he did recruit very well, and that was a problem before Chansey Stuckey got here. So we were starting to see an uptick in the quality of wide receiver recruits. And I think that's where it was um, confusing for me. And then also Marcus doing an about face of initially saying, yeah, we'd love to have everybody roll with us in 2024 on the staff. And then less than 24 hours later, there was a change. And and he, he addressed it somewhat today in that he said, you know, there were a lot of difficult conversations. We know that he wasn't done with his evaluations. And again, maybe he hadn't talked to the wide receivers themselves at that point. Uh, we do know that, again, the three guys that will be signing later this month, and they're all pretty good prospects, led by Cam Williams of Chicago, they are all pretty excited about Mike Brown, it seems, especially Cam Williams, who talked to our Charleston Bowles, the photogenic one that I told you about that's not on the show for some <laughs> odd reason. Um, so I, I still think it's going to be really interesting to kind of get to the bottom of it. I also think it was important for Marcus Freeman to at least touch on this after his about face, you know, Marcus Freeman's brand is you can trust me, I'm authentic. And then that came off as a real faux pas and I think needed some explanation. So that's my take on it. Yeah. I, I think the, the fact that those guys have remained committed, and obviously it's one thing to remain committed. It's another thing to sign. We still got to get through a couple more weeks still the early signing right. period and make sure those kids follow through on what they, they say they're going to do. Um, but I think that speaks, one, to Chancey Stuckey. wasn't just selling him, selling those kids on Notre Dame, or on himself. He was selling them on Notre Dame and what Marcus Freeman and, and Jared Parker and this, this whole university and program are doing. Um, and two, I think it speaks to the ability that Marcus Freeman – and has or the power that he has in terms of a recruiter like guys are buying into him as well it's it maybe yes they're buying into notre dame and i think that's a big part of why notre dame is having recruiting success they're finding guys that are want to be at notre dame but they also buy in and trust marcus freeman that hey if he believes chancy stucky wasn't the right guy he he knows better than i do and i'm going to trust in him that the next guy is going to be fully capable of getting to me to, to to meet my expectations um, and so I think it speaks highly to sort of what Notre Dame has going on in the recruiting process. Um, and I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what that guy, the next guy in line was able to do in this, this immediate uh, the recruiting process that follows. Cause I think one of the impressive things that uh, Chancey Stuckey has done as a receivers recruiter was that he was selling something that wasn't necessarily apparent in Notre Dame's offense. You know what I mean? It's not like, Yes, look at all this success we're having in the passing game on offense. Uh, 
that's not like that existed, but he, that did not prevent him from being able going out and finding uh, top end receivers to get into the class. Certainly, we're not talking about a, a collection of five star recruits here. We're talking about talented and coveted four star recruits, and that is important to continue to get for Notre Dame. So, I think at some point, the rubber is going to meet the road there. That Notre Dame's offense is going to need to be able to have some proof of concept um, to be able to. Uh, show these receivers that they're recruiting that, hey, it's okay. You've had time to sh- talk about what's going to happen with this offense. Let's see what it is about. Um, and so I think this next recruiting cycle will be very fascinating at the receiver position. Before we get to some questions, I want to tease a, a few things out here a little bit. So let's kind of reset here. There are six receivers that we believe will be healthy and available to play in the bowl game as of this moment. Who knows what it'll be like in a week from now. Mm-hmm. But there are six right now. Only one of them, Matt Salerno, has expiring eligibility. I'm not sure that there's a pure field side starting receiver there. They could put you know, Matt Salerno over there. They could put K.K. Smith over there. They could play Jaden uh, Thomas over there if he's healthy. Um, and then there's this transfer portal market. And you've been following that pretty closely here in the next few or in the next few days in the past few days and in the next few days I'm predicting that mm-hmm. uh what do we know about how the transfer portal market is shaping up for Notre Dame in the wide receiver position yeah Notre Dame certainly isn't wasting any time in, in working to replace the wide receivers that it's losing and try to trying to improve the room Chris Mitchell of uh, FIU visited Notre Dame this past weekend um, he messaged me earlier uh, today, said it was a great visit. Uh, he's since posted some photos from the visit. Um, I think Notre Dame's in a very good shape there. He had 64 catches for 1,118 yards and seven touchdowns um, at FIU this past season. Six foot one, 175 pounds. Um, had a big game against Arkansas, which was FIU's only power five opponent this season. Um, so looks like a good start there if Notre Dame can close um, and get him – Uh, on board. He's the number 52 overall prospect currently in the transfer portal rankings from Rivals, uh, which which just debuted um, this afternoon with the transfer portal officially opening today. Um, Notre Dame has also been kicking the tires on Bo Collins from Clemson. ESPN's Pete Thamel has reported that he will visit later this week. I have been unable to confirm that yet, but that, that aligns with what I had been hearing in terms of Notre Dame being having interest there. Um, Bo Collins had 38 catches for 510 yards and three touchdowns this past season. He's six foot three, 210 pounds. He's number 50 overall in those portal rankings that I mentioned. Um, and he was a, he was a guy that Notre Dame recruited out of high school, out of St. John Bosco high school in California, which is the same school where Kingston Villamurasa, Notre Dame's star linebacker commit um, who just got a fifth star today um, is from that same school. Notre Dame hosted him for an official visit. I remember him camping at Notre Dame as a young recruit, um, um, but he ended up at Clemson. He's played all three of his seasons there. Um, the thing I haven't been able to totally nail down is what his graduation timeline is, which certainly is 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 important when it comes to transferring to Notre Dame. Um, I believe he was on t- on track to potentially graduate by the end of this academic year, but I'm not sure um, if it'll get it, if he's in a position to transfer between semesters. I don't. I don't know that yet, so I'm working to try to track that information down, and we'll keep folks updated on the entire lounge with that. Two two questions, and then I think we'll go to questions because I think some of mine are in the viewer questions. Um, one is, do you think Notre Dame can salvage this situation? Do you think they could possibly come out better given what's out in the portal and who's showing initial interest? Uh, yes, I would say so. I think it's possible. I think we're talking about a lot of moving pieces, right? I mean, so it's hard yeah. to know what exactly it's all going to look like. We're talking about a new quarterback for Notre Dame next season with new receivers he's throwing to. Um, so I think in terms of talent, it looks like Notre Dame will be in a position to be potentially as good, if not better than last year. I think the difference would be is like, you don't necessarily have future talent. Like if, if Notre Dame overcompensates and gets a bunch of grad transfers, what I think, or which I, th- I think that's what they need to do at this point, like that doesn't necessarily mean in three years your wide receiver room is going to be great. Um, so, but they I, do have three freshmen coming in. 
They do, but they're also they've also lost two of their in- incoming, so- which would be sophomores next year. But they um, still have two of those, right? But that, that those numbers go quick. I mean, look at yeah. their name started the season with 10, 10 receivers, yeah. and and they're going into the bowl with six, and four of them haven't played. Uh, one of them hasn't played all year, or two of them haven't played. One of them hasn't played all year, and two of them hasn't played since September. So. Um, right. I think you, you, you need a, you need a lot more numbers at the receiver position. You can't rely on this cycle uh, of bringing in grad transfer receivers, um, which I, I don't think is what they want to do, but I think is a, sort of what they've been forced into given the way the season played out um, and the coaching change at that position. Okay. Did and, I answer everything you asked there? Yeah, you did. And, and, and what, what's the right number then? If 10 isn't enough, what's the right number do you think? As far as scholarship wide receivers, do you think 11 is the right number? 12? Yeah. I mean, if you can get to 11 or 12, I think that would be nice. I mean, I think we, we just saw what, what can happen if you have 10. I mean, you, you right. can get thin quick. Um, now, if you have 10 and they're all able to help you out, then it's a different story. And then, then you might have guys who are disgruntled because they didn't get to play enough. So I think right. it depends on who the 10 are, um, if your number is going to be 10 um, versus just numbers on a, on a spreadsheet. Well, we certainly want gruntled and not disgruntled receivers. <laughs> Last one from me before we get to the questions. What does Mike Brown bring of, of what you know of him? And what did Cam Williams have to say about him? Yeah, Mike Brown is uh, currently the wide receivers coach at Wisconsin. Um, he's just been there for one season. He followed Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, where he was the wide receivers coach since 2019. In 2022, he was promoted to passing game coordinator. Um, so some overlap there with with Marcus Freeman at Cincinnati, with Gino Gadulli at Cincinnati. Uh, I think his Cincinnati resume is the part of the resume that you're most interested in. He developed three three star recruits into NFL draft picks and top top four round NFL draft picks too. 2022 second rounder Alec Pierce, 2023 third rounder Trey Tucker and 2023 fourth rounder Tyler Scott. So some guys that were raw as recruits that developed into NFL talent. Um, so you like what he's done there. Uh, he played the position in college at Liberty. He was both a wide receiver and quarterback. Um, so you would think his knowledge of the passing game, giving his titles as passing game coordinator in the past, um, would be pretty ex- extensive and I think sh- would be helpful at the position. I don't know. I don't know him personally. I don't, know a ton about him from other than stuff that I've read about him. Um, but I think those are the selling points in terms of what he can do. W- Wisconsin didn't have a great passing offense this year. Um, and its starting quarterback went down with an injury um, for a missed three starts. So that certainly didn't help. Um, the Wisconsin's leading receiver, um, funnily enough, actually followed the Cincinnati staff to Wisconsin. Um, I think Will Pauling is his name off the top of my head. Um, so, that's what he had to say there. Cam Williams seemed to be excited, spoke with our Charleston Bulls, as you mentioned, um, had some familiarity with him, um, and then has has that faith in Marcus Freeman, like I mentioned previously. Okay, this is a very quick question before we get to the viewer questions. When was the last time you had sugar-frosted flakes on your breakfast table? Because I have they're great. I don't know the last time I had. I'm not, I'm not a huge cereal person. Uh, but uh, I'm not. Uh, I've never been a, a frosted flakes person, unfortunately. So hopefully the oh, sun. Oh wow! Blast, hopefully the sun bowl still gives me good access. They they are they really are great, but they're not good for you, and that's why I haven't had cereal in this house for a long since I had kids, and I probably shouldn't have had it then. But my grandkids don't eat cereal here. They they get fresh cooked breakfast from grandpa. So, okay, on to the viewer questions. I stalled so you could look through them. Uh, yeah, I would need longer than that, but I, I, did, I could put, I could just, uh, let's start with receiver stuff since we talk about uh, receivers and we'll, and then we'll try to move past that. Uh, Fred Laskowski asked, what can you tell us about KK Smith? I remember he was committed to Texas Tech and Notre Dame really liked him. He was a three star recruit and, Notre Dame kind of poached him out of Texas Tech. He's got speed. He's a very slightly built guy. We've seen him walking around, not practicing uh, back in August camp, you know, doing all the little exercises that the injured guys do. 
Uh, but speed is supposed to be his premium. And so I, I'm eager to see now, again, he is pretty skinny. Yeah. And you don't know what sort of development he's been able to have with the shoulder injury this year. Um, I don't know that there's much more that I have to add. I think you covered most of it, but um, at this point, they need guys that can play <laughs> um, and uh, he will be available for the game as Marcus Freeman indicated today. Um, what was next I had here? Uh, any chance any of the wide receivers in the portal decide to come back with the new wide receivers coach? Maybe they'll have Tyler. I think that means me uh, <laughs> filling a wide receiver, which be a, which would be a horrible, horrible opportunity. They certainly have that option to do that. I think the fact that, you know, Chris Tyree was in a little bit different situation. Grad transfers are on a different timeline as far as the portal goes. Underclassmen at open today closes on January, at the end of the day, January 2nd. Um, and all three jumped in. So, I mean, that, that wasn't a super great sign of, hey, well, maybe I'm taking this too fast. Now, again, that doesn't mean they can't consider Notre Dame. Well, I didn't get the impression Tobias was thinking about it. Um, and I would really be surprised, again, given Rico Flores' disappointment about Chansey not being around. I think one of the reasons Cam Williams, and maybe some of the other recruits, but especially Cam Williams, knew Mike Brown uh, from visiting up at Wisconsin. So um, so there was a relationship there. But um, I, I just don't see it happening, even though – conceivably it could yeah i'm in agreement i don't i don't know that it will happen i think there was a lot of effort in trying to get them to stay before they entered the portal and i'm not sure that a specific coach was going to sway them um from seeing what else is out there and, and potentially pursuing that i think once you get into this process and you get all these pictures from all these other schools i think it's really hard to turn or turn around unless you unless it's like crickets unless you like say, well, I thought I'd get a lot better offers than I am right now. Then, then I think that your, your potential of returning is higher, but I don't know that that's going to be the case for Notre Dame's wide receivers. They've all been pretty highly ranked in our transfer portal rankings from rivals so far. All right. Uh, sorry. I'm normally much quicker with these, but you guys did these all while I was talking. Um, I'll, I'll um, here we go. Steve, Steve okay. Wank says coach wouldn't commit to Sam playing in El Paso. What are your thoughts? Well, he can, wouldn't commit to answering my question. I don't know if he was being, you know, I thought, well, he didn't answer it. So maybe he's one of the guys that isn't going. And I thought, well, maybe he's really coy and he just doesn't want to answer it either way. I thought maybe that one would I could sneak that one in and he would be nice, but nope, that wasn't happening. Um, I mean, Sam had said that he was, given that it's not the ReliaQuest Bowl against LSU. I mean, or Oregon State, their defense, I'd say almost all, if not their entire defense, is going to play in this game. The pieces that they are missing are on the offensive side of the ball, the ones so far. Um, and they played, I mean, they were a decent defense. They were in the upper third in total defense. They were about middle of the pack in pass efficiency defense. And they played against some really good quarterbacks, two of whom will probably be Heisman finalists and Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. They had to face Cam Ward of Washington State, Noah Fafita from Arizona. They did not face Cam Williams. That was one of the Pac-12 teams that they did not play. Um, my guess is, since he didn't say, oh, yeah, Sam's playing, I, I'm guessing that he's not, but that's a, just a pure guess. Yeah, I think certainly if he would have answered your question, it could have opened him up for like us asking about more specific players. And the, right. it seemed like he was pretty adamant about not wanting to do that. I should have asked the Hartman question first. But given but given that he, the way that he had talked about Sam Hartman before, I thought there were, would be a chance that he would say that he was playing if he was playing. Um, so it doesn't sound positive from my perspective. Um, but like I said, I, I don't have any insight necessarily. Notre Dame's practiced twice. I have not heard whether or not Sam Hartman was or wasn't practicing. Um, 
So we will have to uh, see what gets announced this week. All right. Um, great story. Uh, Ron Roberts says, great story about Joey Tonona. What do you think his chances to actually play, I assume, for the Irish? Well, thank you. I don't think he's going to play for Notre Dame. I mean, he is in the portal. Um, the The reason why I don't think he plays for Notre Dame, and I went through this with David Adams back in the spring slash summer of 2021. David Adams was a linebacker from Pittsburgh, came to Notre Dame, just was about falling apart physically when he got here. And by the spring of his freshman year, Brian Kelly goes, you know, David, you're a wonderful football player, but your body isn't the same as it was when you were a junior in high school and healthy. We'd love for you to stay on here at Notre Dame, get your degree, which he did. But in talking with David about the process, you can undo medical hardships, but it's from, according to David, it's much harder at the school that you're at than if you transfer because the NCAA will double down on all kinds of red tape if you're staying to make sure that you're not stashing guys as medical hardships so that their scholarship doesn't count against the 85 minimum, that you're not just not abusing the rule. If you're transferring to another school, they're much more lenient about that. And that's why I think Joey Tonona will go somewhere else. I don't know that they accounted for him in their math. I mean, he's he was a bright prospect as an interior lineman. I don't know that there's a great opportunity for him to play anytime soon here, uh, but my sense is that he's going to start his journey somewhere else. Yeah, and I would look at Purdue as a potential option there, staying in-state. He's an in-state kid, um, so uh, that's where I would predict Joey Tonona to end up, but um, I don't know that a lot of people necessarily were anticipating him coming available as a prospect either. And I'm sure folks will want to check in and see how he's doing and um, look into it some more in the next few days. Just real quick, for those that didn't see the story, he had a head injury as an early enrollee. I mean, he had been on Notre Dame campus for a month, was being driven to an early morning workout, and a car hit the car he was riding in, and he had a head injury. And it was a long road back, but he's ready to take on football again. Yeah, and it was a significant injury. It wasn't just like a your run-of-the-mill concussion. It was something that was bad enough to force him to, to medically retire from football at, the, at that point. All right, next question is from Jay Golden 44 What's the odds Audrey Estimate plays? I would say very slim. I think he, yep. will, um, he will get ready for the NFL. Again, I think – a higher profile game might have tugged at him a little bit more. And I'm talking a New Year six or a playoff game. I don't know. And I, I'm not disparaging the Tony the Tiger Bowl, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl at all. And this is why. First of all, they sold out in one day. Those people in El Paso love Notre Dame. And it's not everywhere does everybody love you. In El Paso, they love Notre Dame. And um, and they have, I mean, of the ACC is sending 11 teams to bowls. Three of them have two ranked teams in them. And one of those is Florida state, Georgia. And this is another one of them in NC state and Kansas state's the other. So this is, this is a decent game, but not high profile enough for Audric Estime, in my opinion, to risk it. Yeah. He's, I, I would say slim as well. He is on the short list of guys. I have notifications on just waiting for them to announce that they're not playing in the bowl game. Um, and funny enough, he posted on Instagram today, uh, an ad promoting, I think it was CVS. Um, if it was Walgreens, uh, that's probably not good to confuse the two, but, um, it's just kind of funny. It's like, you know, that's probably not a bad time to have a guy push out an NIL ad, um, when everyone's waiting with bated breath to find out what he's going to do. Because uh, I don't know that I would have seen it otherwise, but I had my notifications on and I saw it. So I thought that was kind of funny. All right. Um, more questions. Uh, Bob Alvey asked, curious how you think Georgia and Bama's offenses performed this weekend. It was the first top 25 George, top twenty five defense Georgia faced this season and second for Bama for perspective. And he faced four in the top 25 
with two being in the top seven? Um, I did not watch the game. I did not have an opportunity to watch the game uh, because I had another commitment at the time. Uh, Tyler, do you want to comment? I mean, I, I've no, seen the numbers. No. I give Bama a lot of credit for scoring 27 points. It seemed like they were in control that whole game, and uh, kudos to them. But I, I didn't get a chance to watch it. And again, watching it a lot of times gives you some pretty good insights. For example, I watched the um, Florida State game and learned a lot about Florida State and why I thought they deserved to be in the top four. Yeah, I, I saw very little of the games on Saturday because I was I was working and neck deep in transfer portal stuff, so I didn't see much of the games. I uh, the game I watched the most was uh, Washington Oregon on Friday night, um, in part due to Washington. being a, a Heisman voter, which leads me to our, my next question. Jeffrey Steven asked to both of you, who are your picks for the Heisman? Who will and who should win? Who will be invited to New York? Unfortunately. Eric and I are both Heisman voters. I know Eric voted. He mentioned it. Um, he almost forgot to do it, so <laughs> he he mentioned that. I did. Well, too. I was trying to wait until all the games were over, and then you have right. a very yeah, no, small no. window. Yeah, no, I, I woke up this morning and did it, so I, I I totally I totally get that. I was waiting as well, um, but just with the events of covering <laughs> Notre Dame in the last forty eight hours, there's a lot going on. Uh, so we can't we can't share with you how we voted or who we think would vote because I think that would be sort of misleading. Um, but we can share well, they, with you. They make us they make us sign a a thing that we won't share it before the vote. Correct. Yeah, that's why I was saying that. Um, yeah. But they did announce the finalists, so we can tell Jeffrey Stevens. I don't know if you saw that, but I can share that. Um, the finalists are um, Bo Nix from Oregon, Michael Penix from Washington. Um, Wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State um, and Jaden Daniels, the quarterback from LSU. There are four finalists uh, for the Heisman Trophy this year. Um, so those four guys will all be in New York. And, and what I can say is I think they pick great finalists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm in agreement there. All right. Um, another one from Jeffrey Stevens. What will Notre Dame do for place kicker in 2024? Portal. Yep. Uh, go back to the portal again. I couldn't tell you who. Um, but that will be the, the source of Notre Dame's next kicker, barring an upset. Anthony Campbell asks, will Steve Angeli and Kenny Benchy stick around if they, if they keep going to the transfer portal? I'll tell you what, Anthony. I mean, if you saw who the quarterbacks in the portal are today, you can't answer that question with any confidence because, I mean, like Kyle McCord, Ohio State starter, is in the portal. I mean, this is a young guy with a lot of football ahead of him that played on a team that had one loss that barely missed the playoff, and he's in the portal. Uh, so my best guess, and and again, I think this is the last time Notre Dame goes to the portal for a starter for the foreseeable future, but again, we don't know how everything's going to play out behind it. I think at least Kenny Minchie stays. Um, and uh, uh, CJ Carr, obviously. And then I think Angeli considers whether he could start somewhere else and whether he's got a chance to compete to be the starter either in 2024 or 2025. I think that's what he'll assess. All right. Um, I'm going to ask you the next question because I'm working on some breaking news here. Um, Brendan McCarthy asks, any reaction to FSU being left out after corrupt 1993 national title and ACC champion player safety in lieu of an expanded playoff, a cause for celebration for me? Thoughts? Um, Brendan, I wish I understood the question better. I know Tyler's got to work, so I will translate this myself. So my reaction to Florida State being left out was, I thought they were deserving of being in, even with um, the injury to their starting quarterback. I don't think we knew enough about Tay Rodemaker to make that decision. We didn't see him play in the Louisville game, but I'm telling you, their defense is for real. And Braden Fisk, who Notre Dame tried to get to come as a transfer defensive tackle, 
my goodness, that guy can play football. I mean, he was an animal. Um, their whole defensive line was incredible. Um, and Rodemaker did win a game on the road against an SEC team in Florida. Florida State, I mean, the ACC wasn't a good conference, but they played most of the good teams in the conference, including Clemson, beat them on the road. They played two SEC teams. They boat raced LSU. Now, who should not get in? I, I, my sense is Alabama right now is playing as well as anybody in the country. So that's a tough decision. Texas beat them head to head. I still think Florida State deserved to get in. I think you need to account for what happened on the field. And uh, Alabama lost to Texas. And I think Alabama should not have gotten in, even though they would be favored in Vegas over maybe everybody, but Michigan, the team that they're playing next. All right. Uh, Michael Donahue says the news better be good, Tyler. Uh, it is good news. Notre Dame has received a transfer portal commitment from Arizona State. Nickelback Jordan Clark, who visited over the weekend. Um, Charleston Bowles is working on writing up that story for us now. I wrote about Jordan Clark over the weekend. He's the son of former NFL player Ryan Clark, also an NFL analyst for ESPN um, and host of, I think the podcast is called The Pivot. Um and Marcus Freeman was actually a guest on that podcast this past uh, year. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but more interesting uh, for football sakes, Clark led Arizona State in pass breakups this, this season with nine during the regular season. Uh, he started 10 games at Nickelback and played in 11. He had 50 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. He's a five foot 10, 185 pound player. Um, he's eligible for one more season. Um, he redshirted in 2019 and played in 2020, which allows him to do that. Um, and I'm going to ask for Eric's reaction while I look up uh, what his transfer portal ranking is in our rivals ranking system. I, I think that's really encouraging that Notre Dame was able to turn that around that quickly. And we saw the impact Thomas Harper was able to have uh, as a one and done nickel prospect there. You know, I'm not sure that Clarence Lewis is going to be back at Notre Dame. He was academically a senior this year, so he could go somewhere and play a fifth year because um, he does have the COVID exemption. He was in the last class to have the COVID exemption, but he has not redshirted previously, so it would be his last year. But there really wasn't somebody that was projecting as a nickel that had any experience. I think you could put Micah Bell there. And eventually he'll be pretty good there. He's a freshman, was a spreader down in Texas. But I don't know that you feel good about putting essentially a redshirt freshman with very little playing experience when the stakes are this high. I, I love this move. I think that this was really good for Notre Dame to be this aggressive in getting a nickel. Yeah, so Jordan Clark is number 88 overall in the of the defensive backs that Rivals has ranked. Uh, or no, no number... Number 88 overall in terms of the portal prospects at Notre Dame or rivals his rank. Sorry, I'm doing too many things at once to speak clearly here. Um, and I'm pulling up where he ranked among defensive backs. He was right ahead of Ramon Henderson, obviously Notre Dame's. Uh, uh, safe, senior safety, and that's a good sign. Who entered the portal. Um, so sort of, sort of subbing out Ramon Henderson for Jordan Clark. I, I think Ramon Henderson would have been a potential leading candidate to be a nickel if he stayed at Notre Dame. Um, he played some as like a fifth um, or sixth defensive back for Notre Dame a lot this past season. Um, so Jordan what's Clark's Clark size? He is, oh man, I click into many things. Uh, five, 10, 185. Okay. So that's a smaller guy than Harper a little bit. Harper was around 200, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure Harper's size. He played with physicality. I think he really did. One thing that struck me when you said Micah Bell as a potential nickel, he has the speed, but I don't know if he has the physicality that's required with the way that um, Notre he, Dame likes physicality at its nickel. Some people just want the speed, somebody that can well, stay with the slot I think you receiver. have to when, it, when it's your base you have off to have defense both. because yeah, yeah. because you're playing, teams will gash you in the run if you don't. Right, correct, exactly. Um, so that's important to have Notre Dame feels um, like Jordan C Clark can do that. Um, and so they've quickly 
pulled him in. I, I was just looking on social media. People were like talking about tampering and stuff, but he was a, he's a grad transfer. So he was allowed, he entered the portal yeah. last week. He visited this weekend as allowed and he made the decision to come to Notre Dame. So there's no, there's no tampering required for the grad transfers because they've already been allowed to, to sort of go through with the process. It wasn't like he was just allowed to start going through this process today. Before we get to some more questions, I'm going to, I want to get to the Sun Bowl selection process a little sure. bit. So I'm going to blather on here a little bit while you can get a couple things done maybe. So Notre Dame, w- once they're not in a New Year's Six Bowl, they fall into the ACC Bowl Agreement. And it's a little bit difficult to understand. The Orange Bowl is tricky. They don't replace the ACC team. Potentially they would face an ACC team. They weren't anywhere ranked high enough to get close to that. Um, and then you get into the next tier, and there's a single tier with the ReliaQuest Bowl. And it has contingencies based on the Orange Bowl, strangely enough. But but I will simplify this. Alabama winning rerouted Notre Dame out of the ReliaQuest Bowl. Not that Alabama ended up there, but a Big Ten team instead of ACC or Notre Dame, had to play against LSU in the ReliaQuest Bowl January 1st in Tampa, Florida. So a Big Ten team, I believe it's Wisconsin, will play them. And so Notre Dame was no longer considered for that. Then the ACC is very deceptive in how they do this on their website. They have what they call Tier 1 Bowls, but there are actually tiers to these nine tier one bowls that are affiliated. ACC sent 11 teams, so you had to place 11 teams. So once you got past Florida State being in the Orange Bowl, then they were looking to place the other teams and Notre Dame. And the Pop-Tarts Bowl, and that just sounds so funny, the Gator Bowl and the Holiday Bowl, they were the first three up to select. And there were some conflicting reports about this, and I want to get to the bottom of this. So the Pop-Tarts Bowl, Gator Bowl, and Holiday Bowl all had a chance, theoretically, to select Notre Dame. The Holiday Bowl already had picked USC, so that wasn't a great destination for Notre Dame. The Gator Bowl just had Notre Dame last year with South Carolina. But a source told me the Pop-Tarts Bowl already was setting up a press conference with Marcus Freeman having felt like they would be allowed to pick Notre Dame and were going to pick Notre Dame. Then there was this big delay and the ACC told them you can't pick Notre Dame. So NC State ends up playing Kansas State in Orlando on December 28th in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, which Notre Dame has played in a couple other times under different names. So then what happened is they fell into the next tier. They, Miami and North Carolina, were in the next tier of bowls, which were the Sun, the Pinstripe, and the Duke's Mayo Bowl. And his Sun Bowl was shocked that Notre Dame was available. And they're like, well, how do we decide who gets to pick first? So they put the names of the bowls in a hat. The Sun Bowl got drawn out first. They couldn't say Notre Dame fast enough. And again, the bowl sold out within one hour. Uh, Miami went to the pinstripe to face Rutgers. Uh, North Carolina went to the Duke's Mail Bowl to face West Virginia. I think Notre Dame got the best bowl out of those three. What isn't clear was why Notre Dame wasn't allowed to go to that top tier, but it was an ACC decision. Those bowls didn't pass on Notre Dame, even though that's been alluded in other stories. They wouldn't, and they didn't pass on Notre Dame. Um, what I can tell you also about this game is Oregon State's top two quarterbacks are in the portal. DJ Uyunglele, who played against Notre Dame at Clemson twice. He was Oregon State starter this year. He's in the portal as a grad transfer. Aiden Childs, who's a super freshman played very well in the seven games that he relieved or tag team DJ. He is probably on his way to Michigan State. He jumped in the portal today. Now their third stringer, Ben Gobranson, 
he's not your typical third stringer. He was seven and one as an emergency starter last season. He was the Las Vegas Bowl MVP. Pretty good stats, threw for, I believe, 14 touchdowns, ran for five more in those eight starts last year. So he'll be the starter now. If he gets hurt in the game, they're in trouble. They have two redshirt freshmen that have never played and probably aren't on their radar. And, and in fact, the um, interim head coach, Keefence Heinsen, this today wasn't sure which one of them was even number two. He goes, well, we're going to have to give them reps in practice to figure that out. So, um, Tyler, do we want to, you have my full attention. You have my full attention. Now I'm back. I'm back in the mix. Okay. Do you um, want I'm to sure comment told- on the bowl matchup or do you want to go to questions? At um, this point? I, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, it's not a headline thing. I mean, the, the number next to the names, um, makes it sound maybe more appealing than it is, even though, I think some people were bummed by the Sun Bowl placement, but people were also make fun, making fun of the Pop-Tarts Bowl when I think that would have been a perfectly good uh, place for Notre Dame to end up playing as well. With so. an edible mascot. Do you think Notre Dame is it will be tested more by Oregon State or Kansas State, who they would have played in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, without their starting quarterback? Will Howard is in the portal. Their um, starting quarterback will be freshman Avery Johnson, who Notre Dame tried to recruit a couple times in earnest at the beginning that kind of cooled on him. Then when Dante Moore wasn't coming, Hey Avery, how you doing? And then they ended up with Kenny Minchie. I do think Kansas state would be more of a challenge. I think, I think I saw a comment today that um, most of their guys are expected to be, to play in the game. They're not expected to miss a lot of guys other than obviously your starting quarterback is important, but um, I I think that uh, Kansas state would have maybe been a tougher matchup for Notre Dame. Um, but Oregon State's Oregon State's interesting just for, from the recent or distant, depending on how you look at it, what your time frame is, history with with Notre Dame as an opponent. So I think uh, I think uh, there's just some there's just a lot more changeover feels like at Oregon State, especially with with the head coach, with the coaching staff, uh, with Jonathan Smith going to yeah Michigan State. They're putting kind of cobbling together an assistant coaching staff. They have an, their next head coach, but he's not going to coach in the game. He's working on putting the staff together, recruiting. They have an interim coach that was their receivers coach. The Kansas State thing is interesting because they would have faced the offensive coordinator, right. one of the offensive coordinators that turned them down. Um, the other thing that's interesting about both those teams, they have four losses, and three of those losses were pretty impressive. They're very close losses to good teams. One of Kansas State's losses was to Texas in overtime, which would have knocked Texas out of the playoff. And Oregon State lost to Washington by two points. They lost to Arizona by three. They lost to Washington State by a couple points. Then Oregon pounded them in the um, in their rivalry game. Mm-hmm. And Kansas State had some narrow losses. I think they had a narrow loss to Missouri as well. And that, they had a bad loss in their last game to Iowa State at home, but three road losses that were close. So I think either of those would have been pretty good bowl matchups for Notre Dame. All right. Uh, we can go back to questions. Um, I do think we should probably talk a little bit about Riley Leonard because I don't know we've talked much about him at all other than referenced him. Um, but let's go to some He's questions. on the agenda. Yeah, but it's 7.56 as well. Um uh, Jeffrey Stevens asked last week, Marty Biaggi traveled to Hawaii to recruit. So who are we recruiting in Hawaii? Did any coach do, or will do a stop in with KBA ahead of signing day? Um, I will answer that. Josiah Kia, um, the younger brother of Kahanu Kia, who, um, signed and enrolled at Notre Dame and has been on a mission trip, um, is someone in that Notre Dame is recruiting out of Hawaii. Um, so that's one of the people that Notre Dame continues to check in on there. I think it's important for Notre Dame to have, Continue a continued presence out there because the state has been fairly good to it um, since the Manti Teo days. Um, as for Kingston Viliamuasa, yes, I expect Notre Dame to be out there at some point. I don't know that I know exactly when that will be, but yes, Notre Dame um, will certainly make time to get out and see him. At, which will they'll do that with all the commits. That's not specific just to KBA. They they want to make sure that they get out to see all the guys and they can celebrate his new five star rating from rivals. And he's in California, not Hawaii. That is correct. 
Um, Bob Alvey, recently a timeline was discussed about the hire of a strength and conditioning coach. I get that their presence wouldn't be felt until next semester, but how important is it to go? Is it to those deciding to stay or go pro? I, I don't know that it's important to them, but Marcus has made it important. He said, despite everything that's on his plate, that's on the front burner and he expects the announcement to be sooner than later. They are interviewing people. All right. Jim Morrissey, any sense as to the instinct of Father Dowd, new Notre Dame president announced today as to whether he is pro or con on giving the football program all it needs to win a natty quickly. I have no instincts on that. I would rather ask him that directly. Yeah. I don't, I don't know much about him um, to be frank, other than learning today that he was, Born in Michigan City, Michigan City, Indiana, which is the same uh, county that uh, I, I grew up in. So I thought that was interesting. But in the I don't, same I, county, both my sons were born in. Exactly. So uh, that's that's the interesting fact. I couldn't. We'll, we'll certainly be looking into that and uh, do some more reporting eventually down the road to get to know him. And um, certainly, um, Pete is someone we have to get to know a bit better here soon, as well as the new athletic director. All right, Patrick McCarthy. Hi, men. Cats deli on me before Army game at Yankee Stadium. What is your favorite food city for opponents? Go first. I'm just taking in that he's giving us free food. I'm. Uh, well, I, need I mean, to clear my I might, mind. I'm excited. I might, I might steal your answer because the overall number one food item that I have had on a road trip was the cheesesteak from Delisandro's that Eric and I both had together when we arrived in Philadelphia at the, at the recommendation of Mike McGlinchey. Um, it was a long drive to Philadelphia, an eventful one with some news going on. Um, but to sit down, uh, I think I remember Eric saying he, he nearly wept and I, I wasn't looking close I did, enough to it see. It wasn't nearly, it actually happened. <laughs> I wasn't looking closely enough to see if a tear rolled down his cheek, but uh, it was, it was pretty phenomenal. It, like, I, I, the way I explain it to people is that, yes, there's been some great barbecue I've had on the road, but I've had good barbecue in a lot of different right. places. But I've never had a cheesesteak, which I think everyone's had a cheesesteak, but nothing like it's 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 ridiculous how much better that cheesesteak was than every other cheesesteak I've ever had. So um, that's why uh, I think Philadelphia has got to be at the top of my list. Now, maybe it probably be better to answer with somewhere that has all kinds of different options, but that was the food item at the top of the list for me. Yeah. My mom was an incredible, is an incredible cook. And my grandma came from Italy and was ridiculous. She'd always go, she'd always go, go on it. You'd say, grandma, I can't eat anymore. I'll go on a diet tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Beef eater nine ND 8 Herb Brooks said all-star teams failed versus the Russians because they play as individuals, not as teams. I think the portal has this effect on portal-heavy teams, a.k.a. USC, play like this. Your thoughts? I don't know that we have a large enough sample size yet, but you could make that case with Colorado that they brought in all that talent. Everybody was pretty excited. And then they went, I believe, four and eight. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say when you look at most of the teams toward the top of college football, they want to use the portal to fill holes, not to build foundations. Right. And I think that's a smart, so I'd say Herb Brooks was right in this sense. And I think that's what Notre Dame will continue to do. I think Clemson has taken it to the other extreme and maybe they'll right. change, but they've, they've said no to the portal and, and to their peril. I mean, it's hurt their program. Yeah. I, I do think it is a, it is a, a way to potentially set a foundation for these new coaches like Deion Sanders. He, he wasn't inheriting a good team at Colorado. So even though four and eight is certainly different than with the way people thought it might go by the way it started the season by surprise, it's still better than what Colorado was. Um, now, certainly there's still plenty of work to be done, but it can give you that jolt, give you a foundation to build off of that maybe is better than the one that you're inheriting. Um, so I do think there is some value there to new head coaches that maybe are inheriting a program that, that lacks talent. Um, but I do think that it's not the best way to sort of build a foundation for the long term if you're not able to recruit at a high level. Speaking of uh, portal guys, Tom Lemming, longtime recruiting analyst, just texted me, and it says, I gave Jordan Clark four stars when he came out of university high school in Baton Rouge. 
I really liked him. I made an an I make an annual visit to that school because it's so productive. Jordan Osbury's from that school, Notre Dame's freshman linebacker. On Clark, he said hard hitter, maybe about five nine when I saw him. Very productive in high school. All right. Uh, we are not Marshall. Was the staff not able to sell the vision of the quarterback position to Tyler Buckner with Notre Dame pursuing Riley Leonard? They are very similar players. Now Buckner is exploring lacrosse. Tough news. Uh, well, I mean, it was funny because I talked to Buckner uh, before he started against Ohio State, and he said, I've been in that stadium before. I went, I was going to be a lacrosse player, and he went on a recruiting visit to Ohio State for lacrosse. Uh, so let's talk about Riley Leonard here, Tyler, the Duke quarterback. He will have one year of eligibility left. Um, he does not have a redshirt year. So this is a COVID year for him. What's your sense about Riley Leonard up ending up still ending up at Notre Dame? Yeah, I do. I do think that's what my prediction would be. I think there's too much pointing in that direction to think differently at this point. I think Auburn is a potential threat. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's a big enough one. Um, Notre Dame has gone about this seemingly in this in, in a similar way to how it operated in 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 finding Sam Hartman through the transfer portal, um, and that it was something that was discussed behind do closed doors, um, and then uh, sort of the process needed to play out to follow along with that. So. Um, I think we're waiting to see um, if and when Riley Leonard announces a commitment to Notre Dame. I think that's the way things are trending. Um, I think Notre Dame would need to come up with another plan if it doesn't go that way. Um, so I think this is what Notre Dame hopes for um, and expects to happen, and we'll see how it plays out. What do, what do you think of Riley Leonard as a player? When you look at his statistics, you go, is he overrated? Even his really good 2022 statistics, and then you watch him play and you go, oh, I see why he's good. Right. Because he can toggle between being a passer and being a runner. He's got that it factor. You just have faith when the ball's in his hands and he's running the offense and that he's going to come up with big plays. I really like him. I'm a fan. I, I just I was not confident Notre Dame could get him through admissions and that he didn't yet have his degree. He will soon, but he doesn't yet have his degree. And so um, I like him and I think, you know, he'll have to compete. But I think this is the way Notre Dame should go. I know that's not the popular thing. People are maybe a little heartbroken that things didn't have more more of a storybook ending with Sam Hartman. But. I mean, look at the guys that are going to New York. All three of those guys are portal guys. All three of the quarterbacks were portal guys. Um, yeah, so circling back to we are not Marshall's question about Tyler Buckner, I, I think, I mean, Tyler Buckner was sold on what he could potentially do at Alabama, and I think that's what lured him away from Notre Dame. And his, his tie was to Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese recruited him at a young age, and he felt like, hey, let me follow Tommy Reese to Alabama and give it a shot. It clearly did not work out, um, and now he's looking into his options as a potential lacrosse player. So um, not not the way any, anyone who followed Tyler Buckner as a high school recruit would have projected this to, to work out, um, but certainly a fascinating story that um, I think we'll continue to monitor and watch from afar as uh, he, he goes through this lacrosse process. He could go back to football eventually. I don't think he could have transferred as a football-to-football football transfer without sitting out a year because this would have been his second transfer and he didn't have his degree. So maybe there's maybe there's something going on. Maybe there's something I'm just creating. All right. I think that's everything, Eric. Okay. Real quick, uh, you mentioned earlier in the show, Kingston Villamo Asa. Got five-star status today from Rivals. Their new top 250 is coming out. Is it tomorrow? Yes, correct. Tuesday. And and then um, Ivan Taylor, a safety committed way back earlier last week. But I don't want that to get too lost in the shuffle because that's an awfully good pickup for Notre Dame, don't you think? 
Yeah, I think that was actually Friday. So earlier last week seems it is actually <laughs> later last week. It just seems so long ago. Um, I had dental he, surgery Friday, and it feels like a month ago now. <laughs> uh, he's five foot eleven, hundred seventy pounds, out of West Orange Winter Garden High School in Florida, the same high school that produced Dexter Williams. Uh, he's the number fourteen safety in the twenty twenty five class, number one hundred and thirty four. Overall, he's the son of former Pittsburgh Steeler Ike Taylor, defensive back in the NFL level. Um, his offer list is impressive. Alabama, Florida, FSU, Miami, Michigan, USC. Um, he's the 10th commitment in Notre Dame's 2025 class and the sixth four-star from that group. So an important addition there, and Notre Dame keeps rolling with recruiting despite everyone that follows Notre Dame – or not everyone, many people that follow Notre Dame thinking that everything is going to ruins. But the recruiting seems to keep – picking up and, and people still seem to be buying into what Marcus Freeman and this program have to offer. Okay. I want to thank legacy heating and air at the very bottom of the screen. They were actually here today. I'm on this maintenance plan. They come three times a year, clean everything. That's awesome. Also use code NDYT for a 30 day free trial of inside ND sports. Lots of great free stuff, but the stuff behind the paywall is awesome. And I think worth a look. And then at the end of the 30 days, you can uh, jump through the transfer portal and join us. That's all I got, Tyler. Yeah, we had a big audience tonight. Thanks for everyone for tuning in live. We'll be back next week with uh, with Football Never Sleeps again. We're planning to record our Inside Indie Sports podcast on Tuesday. Um, that will probably be our schedule as, it, as we can make it work uh, moving forward this month leading into um, the Sun Bowl. And like Eric said, go over to InsideIndieSports.com. Check us out. Um, subscribe to us there and also make sure you like comment and subscribe on this video to keep growing our YouTube audience. Have a good week.